The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Uh, Good morning again. Glad to be here today. I do hope, like Ryan said, you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, Got together with friends and family and um, getting a head back to work tomorrow. Most of you, if you had some time off, you're back to back to the grind tomorrow, so to so to speak. Um, Hey, um, not tonight, but next Sunday, a week from tonight, uh, five o'clock. You're all invited. Uh, my son is getting married, Christopher. Uh, he's our band director up here on the stage, and uh, he's getting married, and uh, we're having a, a wedding shower uh, for him and Lizzie, and so it's next Sunday at 5 o'clock right here. Basically, it's a big party, and you're all invited. By the way, um, if you're friends with me on Facebook, I probably invited you to the reception, and so I'm just inviting everybody. They just, it's just going to be a big party, uh, the reception, but next, uh, next Sunday, uh, we're just going to have fun together. There'll be a lot of food. Uh, we're grilling out um, cake. We're going to have fun. So you're all invited next Sunday. So make sure you come back uh, for that. Um, we are, we're in between series right now. We finished up the series that we've been in for a while uh, this past fall called Unshakable. And uh, next Sunday, we begin a new series uh, for Christmas, uh, December the 4th, uh, called uh, Misfits. You remember, anybody remember the Island of Misfits, the Island of Misfit Toys? Uh, you know, the idea is there's these toys that are uh, not quite perfect, you know, got some um, imperfections and are mistakes, and, and so they get discarded, and, you know, they, they all end up on the Island of Misfit Toys. And um, I don't know if you ever thought about it this way, but the actual Christmas story uh, in Luke chapter 2 and in the Gospels, there's a lot of things that happen in the story of of the birth of Christ that just aren't, you know, that we would never choose those people in those circumstances. And in a way, a lot of the characters in the Christmas story uh, are misfits in that they're kind of discarded, kind of imperfect, and, and yet God uses them to do something amazing. And uh, you might feel like a misfit. Uh, you might feel like um, you don't fit in. Uh, you might feel like... Uh, you know, you've, you've kind of, uh, your, your time has passed and maybe God can't do anything with you or through you. And that's not true. And uh, so that's what the series is going to be all about. Uh, begins next Sunday called Misfits. And uh, invite and bring somebody to church. Uh, Christmas time, you know, for a lot of people, you know, it's a very difficult time of the year. You know, from Thanksgiving to New Year's, people say, oh, it's the happiest time of the year. Uh, but for a lot of folks, it's a very hard, difficult time. And uh, people are searching. They're looking for help and they're looking for hope and they're not finding it. And uh, so reach out to somebody, invite and bring them to church. And um, so that begins next Sunday, uh, Misfits. Um, so this morning is kind of an in-between message, uh, if you will. And uh, I want to get started this morning, first of all, by asking you uh, a question. Uh, generally speaking, okay, when it comes to the ups and downs of life, you know, maybe when you're waiting in line or you're uh, shopping at Walmart on Black Friday or uh, you're in traffic on the interstate or on Savannah Highway or Folly Road or, uh, you know, 526, are you more likely to respond to the ups and downs of life with gratitude or grouchiness? Now, so that you'll be honest this morning and not lie, Uh, I want you to literally turn to the person next to you and ask them, am I grateful or am I a grouch? Go ahead and do that right now. Ask if you're with somebody here today, just ask them because they will tell you the truth if you're uh, just an ungrateful grouch. 
Um, now, so with that being the little foundation for today's message, with it being Thanksgiving weekend and in between series, um, I want to focus today on what, what I think is probably three of the most practical verses in the entire Bible. And uh, I, I love this passage of Scripture. I use it a lot. It speaks to me an awful lot. Uh, it's 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Just follow along as I read these verses. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, be sure that, by the way, the, the reference on the screen is wrong. It's 1 Thessalonians, not Matthew. I guess I did that. I guess I didn't change the, the, the reference on it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Um, but make sure you don't miss the last part of that verse, verse 18. It says, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, there are not a lot of passages in the Bible that kind of specifically spell that out. You know, that this is God's will for you. But, but this is one of them. Now, now think about that, because if there's a question that, you know, that I get asked probably more than any other as a pastor, it's probably, probably that question. You know, Pastor Chris, what is, you know, God's will for my life? Now, now think about this, though. He is saying this specifically is God's will for all of us, that you would rejoice always, that you would pray continually, and that in all circumstances, you would give thanks. Now, some people call this the, uh, the standing orders of the Christian, the standing orders of the gospel, because they apply to all of us, okay? This is for, for every person who, who claims to be a believer. Now, the interesting thing about this little passage of Scripture, that in the original Greek language, these words could all be uh, translated, continually rejoice, continually pray, continually give thanks. Now, the truth is, that's the rub right there, okay? That, that's the challenge, that's the difficult part of this passage. I mean, we would have no problem whatsoever if it said something like, rejoice sometimes, pray occasionally, and when it suits, give thanks. It's, it's the always, it's the continually. It's that little phrase, in all circumstances. It's that language, those words right there that really, you know, that trip us up. That's the challenge. And so the implication is that the real impact of you and I following Jesus, the real impact of, you know, the gospel in our lives is seen in those times and in those circumstances of everyday life when we don't feel very joyful. When we don't want to pray. And when it's hard to think of a reason to be grateful. That, right there, that's where we find out if our faith is real. You know, and not just a, a show. And, and I say that based on, on the fact 
that when Jesus enters a life, you know, when we, you know, when Jesus enters our lives, when we become followers of him, he changes us from the inside out. He does. And he, he gives us the power and the desire to, to rejoice and to pray and to give thanks. I, I really believe that, that it's these simple commands right here that are some of the greatest challenges of our faith. You know, people sometimes talk about, oh, they just, just want to go deep. They want to go deeper. It doesn't get much deeper than, can you be joyful all the time? Do you pray constantly? And are you able to give thanks in all circumstances? Joy, prayer, gratitude. I, I, I think that's, the, that's some of the greatest challenges right there, the greatest struggle for modern-day believers. Now, today's outline is really, really simple, okay? Number one, rejoice always. Rejoice always. You know, it's, uh, it's Christmas time, and uh, you're ready for, ready for Christmas. By the way, how many, of you, uh, how many of you already put up your Christmas tree? Anybody here already got that up? Okay, wow, very good, very good. Um, don't, mem- don't forget, though, that thing's got to come down like January 1st, okay? It'll be leaving it out there longer than that. But maybe you remember when the angel uh, announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. Do you remember what, what he said? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of what? Great joy. Great joy that will be to all the people. Uh, growing up, I grew up, uh, you know, back in the day, long, long time ago in a church that we, we sang hymns. And, um, you know, we always sang, I don't know if you're like me, the church that you grew up in, but we sang the first the second, and the last verse of every hymn. We never sang like the third verse. I don't know why. I know a lot of hymns. I know a lot of verses. I do not know the third verse. Anyway, but anybody remember this, this hymn? We have heard the joyful sound. What comes next? Okay, somebody remembers that. Jesus saves. Jesus. Nobody, in the, nobody in the first service shouted out. They didn't know the song. Okay, so if you grew up singing hymns, um, but uh, that, that's the deal. When, whenever the good news, whenever, you know, the, uh, the gospel is shared, it's supposed to be joyful news. You know, it, it's joyful news to those who hear it, those who believe it, those who receive it. it it's, it's, a, it's a joyful sound. Jesus said, I have, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. I like how uh, Paul said it in in Philippians. In fact, he said it twice for emphasis. He said, rejoice always. Uh, Rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again. Rejoice. Now, what's interesting about that, that, you know, Paul writing that and saying that, is that when he wrote it, he was in prison, which should tell us something right there. That what I'm talking about today, when I talk about, you know, be joyful always, um, I'm not talking about an emotion. I'm talking about something that comes from within. And it's definitely not something that's built on, based on your circumstances. Now, true or false? Let's play a little true or false here this morning. The joy of the Lord does not depend on whether or not I have a job that I like. True or false? True, it's not, right? True or false? The joy of the Lord does not depend on my health. That's true. True or false? The joy of the Lord does not depend on the state of my marriage or how my children are doing. That's true. 
Here's a good one, especially for today. True or false? The joy of the Lord does not depend on who's in the White House. That's true. Now, you wouldn't know it by what some people post on Facebook and how they're acting and how, how they're behaving, even before the election, you know, or, or since the election, you know? Or what about this one? This one's really, we can, we can relate to this one, at least some of you can. The joy of the Lord is not dependent on how poorly my team played yesterday against the Clemson Tigers, right? <laughs> See, you were wondering how I was going to work that one in today, weren't you? Yeah. See, it's just Bible, right there, Bible. Anyway, um, somebody put it like this. There's no event or circumstance that can occur in my life that can diminish my joy. Be joyful always is never going to be rescinded due to technical difficulties. Now, I know what you're thinking. Pastor Chris, that's not natural. I mean, that's just downright weird and hard. That, that's not normal. And I would say you're right. It's not. It's not natural. It's supernatural. And that's the key. Joy is, it's a byproduct, it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. It, it's not an emotion on top of a giddy feeling. Just the opposite. Joy is fruit on top of fact. It, it, it's really my response to what I know to be true about God. You know, that he loves me. And that he's good. And that he's causing all things to work together for good. In other words, you know, it, it's, it's that song that we just got finished singing. You know, the, the path to joy comes with this, this understanding, this faith that God is in control. So how do I get that? How do I, how do I get that confidence, that belief? How can I be joyful in all circumstances? I don't want to just quote a bunch of verses to tell you to be joyful. I want to I talk through how. So jot this down, three keys to essential, three essentials for joyful living. Number one, you gotta change your perspective. You need, you need a perspective to live from. You know, I just mentioned Romans 8.28, or referred to it there, listen to it again, Romans 8.28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So there's our perspective, that God ultimately has a purpose behind every one of our problems, that he never wastes our pain, he never wastes a hurt, that somehow he is still sovereign, that he can use our choices, our mistakes, our decisions, our pain, our difficulty, our sorrow, and he's still sovereign, and he can still weave it together and accomplish his purposes. The Bible says that he knew you before you were born. In Jeremiah, in the Psalms, it says he ordered your days, and he has even established your steps. The problem is we forget that when we're in the midst of pain, and we lose perspective. But we need this perspective that God is still working all things together for good. That leads us to number two. We need a power to live on, not our own. 
You know, if we're gonna if we're gonna be joyful in every circumstance and situation, not only do we have to have that that right perspective, but we've got to have a strength that's not our own. Galatians six nine says, "Let's not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up." Anybody ever get weary in doing good? You know, life sometimes can weary you out, can it? I mean, just wear you slap out. I heard a story about a man who had um, just been told by his doctor that he only had about six months to live. And he, this guy was devastated, blown away. He said, Doc, listen, you know, what can I do? I mean, seriously, you tell me to do it, I'll do it. I'll do anything. And so the doctor thought for a moment. And he said, well, there is this one thing. And the guy's like, what is it? What is it? You know, tell me, I'm serious. I will do it. And the doctor said, well... My wife's sister is a widow, and she's got 10 children. I'd recommend that you call her up and ask her to marry you. And puzzled, the guy said, Doc, you know, is that going to make me live any longer? And the doctor said, no, it won't, but it'll make it seem a lot longer. So uh, anyway, um, I know that's kind of lame, but anyway... um, I think some of your lives feel that way, doesn't it? You just feel like you're in the middle of something, and it's just, it just seems long, and you're tired, and you're worn out. You know, what's, what's God's answer to our personal energy crisis? You know, it, it really is Philippians 4.13, where Paul said, I can do most things through him who gives me strength. Doesn't say that, does it? With the power of God... I can do everything. Does that include financial pressure? Yep. Marital problems? Yes. Sobriety? Chronic pain? Yeah. You know, we we usually quote Philippians 4.13, but um, Philippians 2.13, I like this. It actually tells us how we get that strength. Philippians 2.13. For it's God working in you Now listen to this. So again, it's something that comes from within. He gives you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. Man, isn't that amazing? You know, it's not just something you gotta come up with on your own. You know, if you'll just cooperate with God, he's working in you day by day, changing you. And if you'll cooperate with him, he'll both give you the desire to obey him, the want to, And he'll give you the power to do it. You see, it's a fruit produced by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So we've got to have this perspective that God is good. He's working things together for our good. We have to have his strength to to, uh, to live on. And then number three, we also need a purpose to live for. Let me ask you, you know, what's your purpose? What are you living for? What gets you going? What... You know, what, do you, what, do you, what gets you up in the morning? How would you sum up your life? In Philippians 1.21, I like how Paul sums up his life. He says, for, for to me, to live is what? Who? Christ. How would you fill in your blank? For me, to live is... You know, so many people today are giving what you might call first-class allegiance, priority, to second-class 
causes. And it's those causes that are betraying them. And they, they always will. Here's why. Because the Bible teaches ultimately everything that exists in this world, it all exists to point to something beyond itself. Something greater than itself. Namely, the creator. But here's our problem. Sometimes we prefer created things over the creator. And so we just get stuck going in circles, chasing after stuff that doesn't satisfy, that, that never has satisfied, never will satisfy. And yet, we're still chasing after it, living for it. We, it, it becomes our purpose, the reason for why we exist. Paul described this craziness in Romans one twenty five. He said, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. They exchange the truth for a lie. Now, what's the lie? The lie is more of what we already possess somehow is going to satisfy us and bring us happiness, bring us joy. Matt Chandler, one of my favorite uh, pastors and authors, uh, he said he called it the cul-de-sac of stupidity. It goes like this. He says, you, you, you know, you're basically driving around in circles going, I want it, I got to have it, I get it, it doesn't work, but somehow more of what doesn't work just might work. And it's, it's ridiculous. And it's silly hearing it, and we, we could say it, and it sounds ridiculous, and yet it's so sad because that right there is where most of the world is stuck, just driving around in circles, around this cul-de-sac of stupidity again and again and again, thinking that somehow created things and stuff and relationships and all that, somehow it's going to be give you your purpose and meaning. It's what St. Augustine referred to when he said, You, O Lord, have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until we find our rest in you. Or it's what Paul was getting at in Ephesians 1, 11 and 12. I like it in the message. Listen to what he said. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. Don't you see? Perspective, power, purpose. It's all found in Christ. And when you find that, when you learn that, you begin to experience, that's when you understand that joy it's not an emotion. And you can be joyful always. Number two, pray continually. Pray continually. Depending on what Bible you might be reading out of, it might say pray without ceasing. What in the world is he talking about? I mean, you're supposed to just pray, you know, 24-7, right? Is that what he's talking about? I think what he's saying is that we're to pray as a way of life. And it's something that should just be very natural, natural as breathing. I think what Paul's describing here is what some Christians over the years have called practicing the presence of Christ. 
practicing the presence of Christ. In other words, that it's understanding and living out this idea that Jesus is always with you, that he's, he's right there with you like a best friend that you can always you know, talk to, always depend on. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about um, with something else in your life. In fact, right now, if you have your cell phone with you, everybody pull out your cell phone. Everybody pull out your cell phone if you've got one with you. And uh, in fact, while you pull out your cell phone, you can go ahead and, uh, uh, you know, check in to Coastal here on Facebook. But, uh, you know, some of you practice the presence of something with your cell phone. Here's what I mean by this. Some of you are addicted to your cell phone. I mean, it's with you like all the time, all, you know, everywhere, everywhere you go. It would be amazing if you just somehow counted the number of times that you touch your phone. In fact, some of you, I mean, like Thanksgiving Day, Thanksgiving, you're, you're gathered around a table giving thanks with friends and family, and you're all there in love, and you pull out your cell phone, and you put it right there in front of you. Some of you is like, wait, 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 we can't, we can't eat yet until I get a selfie with everybody, right? And you take a picture of everything. I mean, you got your cell How many of you, uh, be honest here, go to the bathroom with your cell phone? You, and, uh, back in the day, raise your hand. Okay, a few of you, sinners. Anyway, no, I, I admit... I do that. I, I do. It's, 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 it's nasty. I knew I'd think about that because I go to the bathroom anyway. But like I used to go to the bathroom with the, with the newspaper. Now, for those of you who are 30 or un, under, a newspaper is this thing that used to come you know, to your house. They would deliver it to you, actually. And it's this big sheet of paper with like pictures and stories. You'd open it up. So you had no idea what a newspaper is. Anyway, um, but I used to go to the bathroom with a newspaper and read that, but now I go with my cell phone, which is kind of gross and nasty when you think about it. But anyway, but like, you see what I'm saying? is something that's with you all the time and you're checking it and, and you're, that's, that's what I'm talking about. You know, where you could literally, you know, treat Christ in the same way in the sense that he's right there with you. He never leaves you. He, he, he's that, that friend that you could talk to all throughout the day, anytime. You know, Proverbs 18, 24 says, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. And for those of you who have a real friend, you know how, how true that is. But that's true in the natural world, but it's also true supernaturally. Again, Jesus is your friend. In fact, Jesus said this in John 15, 15. He said, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you what? Friends. Friends. For everything that I have learned from the Father, I have made known to you. Jesus is that friend. And the more you understand that, the more you understand what, he ta- what he's talking about here when he says, pray continually. For example, when you, when you wake up in the morning, you know, how many of you ever say, you know, good morning, Lord? Now, I know some of you say, good Lord, it's morning. No, that's, that's different. That's not the same thing. But uh, he's there. Now, that's not to say that there aren't those times that you should set aside for, you know, focused prayer and, 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 and spending time in God's word so that maybe you can, you know, pray free from distractions. But I don't think that's what Paul's talking about here. I think he's talking about this attitude of prayer as a way of life, that God is always there, that you can talk to him all throughout your day. It's living life 
in the natural, but being fully alive and fully alert to the supernatural. It's, it's inviting Jesus into your everyday life and being able to talk to him throughout, throughout your day. So rejoice always, pray continually, and then number three, give thanks in all circumstances. You know, this is one of those uh, passages of Scripture that it's easy to quote, but it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to obey. You know, let, let, let's be honest. This is, a, uh, this is a very challenging verse for the person who has recently been divorced. This is a challenging passage of Scripture for the person who's had a miscarriage of a baby they wanted badly. Or the person whose body is being devastated by the treatments they are receiving. Or the person who feels like they're just barely existing in the job they they hate. Or the person, a parent, who's had to helplessly watch their child suffer. Or the individual who lives with a cloud of depression. Or the person who has recently stood at a freshly dug grave of someone they love. You know, in each one of those circumstances, the idea of giving thanks in all circumstances, that is beyond difficult. In fact, I would say it seems impossible. So what is Paul saying? Well, let me tell you what I think he's not saying. I don't, I don't think he's asking us to pretend. I don't think God is saying, hey, put on a happy face and fake it till you make it. I don't think that's what he's saying here. You know, the Bible says that Jesus openly wept over the death of his friend Lazarus. In fact, the little Greek word there for wept, it's a word, interestingly enough, that's never used anywhere else in the entire New Testament. And it literally means being overcome spontaneously with grief. And so here's Jesus, the most grateful person who ever lived, and yet that didn't keep him from identifying with our human sorrow and suffering and pain. So I don't think this is about pretending or denying. I also don't think that Paul is saying here that we're to give thanks for all circumstances. In other words, I don't think we're to be thankful for evil or injustice or all the things in life that that break the heart of God. I don't think he's saying that but I do think he's saying we can be thankful in all circumstances. And that's that's an important difference. You know, the, the implication is not that everything that happens to you is good, but rather the truth is, regardless of what happens, he is still good. You know, I can't help but think of Psalm 103. The psalmist writes, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. 
bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The New Living Translation says, never forget the good things he does. Who forgives all my sin. Who heals my disease. Who redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with love and compassion and satisfies my desires with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagle. You know, I'm sure many of you are familiar with uh, Corey Tim Boom and uh, her classic autobiography, The Hiding Place. Well, this past week I ran across a story from that book that I'm sure I'd, I'd heard, but maybe I'd just forgotten. But um, it's very uh, convicting and moving. Uh, she tells of a time... Uh, the time when her and her sister uh, were forced to strip, take off all their clothes uh, during a, a Nazi inspection at their death camp. And as they stood in that line, feeling completely defiled and forsaken, suddenly Corey remembered that Jesus hung naked on a cross. And filled with absolute gratitude and worship, during that seemingly forsaken, evil moment, she leaned forward and she whispered to her sister, Betsy, they took his clothes too. And Betsy gasped and said, Oh, Corey, and I never thanked him. What a... Uh, what a powerful perspective. You know, the, the point is this. If all we ever focus on are the circumstances of life, we're always going to end up being a grouch. But if we can forget not all his benefits, we can be grateful you know, nobody actually promised that life was going to be easy. If somehow you come to believe that about being a Christian, you have, you're mistaken. In fact, Jesus said this, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace, in me. Because in this world, you will have trouble. But listen to this, here's the good news. But take heart. I've overcome the world. He's overcome the world. Listen to these words one more time. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, this passage really loses everything without that one little word, in, because you and I don't have the power, the ability to do any of that apart from Christ. So I got to ask you this morning, how about you? Are you in Christ? You can be today. It's a choice. It's a decision. The greatest decision you'll ever make. And you, you come into Christ one way and one way only through your faith 
You can come home today. You know, I don't know what you've heard or what you believe, but God loves you just the way you are. And he's waiting on you to come home. You don't have to clean up your life before you come home to him. You don't have to try to fix yourself or pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Or It's not based on uh, religion or church attendance. One thing and one thing alone. Your faith. Your belief that Jesus really is who he said he was. God's son. That he went to a cross for you, paid for your sin, and he rose from the dead, and he is alive. And you put your faith in him and him alone. You have forgiveness, peace, purpose, power, a home in heaven. Christianity is not only the best way to die, it's the greatest way to live. And so you can have all that today for the asking. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. We so flippantly say that so many times. Thank you. And yet we so quickly forget all of the blessings that we really do have in Christ. God, help us uh, this week in the busyness of the holidays and the hustle and bustle of planning and preparations and parties and events and stuff. Help us never to forget your blessings. Help us to be a joyful people, a prayerful people, and a... uh, a grateful people. Um, Father, today, uh, maybe there is somebody in this room who is ready to come home. Listen, as I said, it's, it's a, a decision of faith. God is waiting and ready for you to come home. Why not do it now? Just pour your heart out to him right here and right now. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed and just say, Father, forgive me. I have, I've, I've blown it, God. Today, I, I believe, as much as I know how, as much as I understand, I do, I believe. I step out in faith. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he came to this earth to, as a payment a sacrifice for me. He went to the cross for me. And he rose from the dead. And he is alive. And God, I put all my faith in him and him alone and what he did for me. And for the rest of my days, God, I, I not only today ask you to be my savior, but I ask you to be my Lord. You're in control. You're the boss. From here on out, I simply want to follow you. I want to become more and more like you now see me adopted forever in your family, perfect as your child. Thank you. Thank you, Father. God, we love you. We pray all these things today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.